What a fascinating yet challenging time to be a leader. And in this Leading by Nature series, I interview pioneering leaders from diverse organizations, exploring future fit leadership and organizational development. I'm Giles Hutchins, executive coach, senior advisor and author of many books, the latest being Leading by Nature, which explores the inner nature and outer nature of the organization and the inner and outer nature of the leader as they journey toward regenerative futures. Welcome to the Leading by Nature podcast with myself, Giles Hutchins, and my guest today, Tom Bourne, founder and CEO of Greenheart Consulting. So thank you very much, Tom, for being here with me today. Thank you very much, Giles, for asking me. So let's dive straight in by exploring a bit about Greenheart, its journey so far as a business, as an organization, and perhaps start, Tom, if you like, a bit about Greenheart's reason for being, its passion and its purpose. Well, I think Greenheart has very much created its own reason for being, um, partly and thanks to me, but partly really to the passion of everyone who, who works in it. So we have a very clear and co-creative vision of a world in which all businesses thrive by caring for people and planet as much as profit. Um, and our role in making that happen is to give the best support and advice we can on issues of social and environmental impact to the businesses leading that transition. So it just so happens that we have a particular specialism in helping companies become B Corps, certified B Corporations, um, but lots else besides um, and always very heartfelt. Okay, so look, B Corp Corporation, for those who may not know, uh, can we just start there? Because obviously that's a, it's a massive movement. You know, I remember it back in the day when there were just a couple of hundred companies. Now I think there's over 3,000, probably more rising. Maybe it's even four. Can you just describe a little for those who don't know, what is a B Corp uh, and what does B, B Corp certification actually involve? So the sort of dry answer to that is that a B Corp is a, is a company that reaches a, a certain minimum threshold of social and environmental impact performance management. So it's, it's a, um, a self-audit process that you can go through as a company, um, measures your performance against uh, various metrics across the whole spectrum of your business, and that then gets, um, gets validated by the third-party B-Lab. Um, and if you meet their threshold, then you can, can go in and, and call yourself a certified B Corp. Um, what that means, really, there's a lot more to it than that. And on your last, I really enjoyed listening to Bevis Watts talking about donut economics and the need for business and society to operate within planetary boundaries, um, which is kind of totally crucial to, becoming, to, to us all becoming resilient. But the problem is, of course, that that notion isn't baked into the mainstream post-industrial business paradigm. So, you know, that is very much focused on shareholder returns and, you know, being being the sort of main driver and trumping everything, including, ironically, the long term availability of all the finite resources on which our economic system relies. So the purpose of the B Corp movement is to break that down and replace the sort of shareholder primacy notion with a very much more stakeholder based version of capitalism in which value is is to be added for everyone including but very much not limited to shareholders yeah okay so there's quite a lot there um what i'm hearing is obviously also a need for a sort of shift in how we see things a shift in consciousness essentially now um 
Take me through a bit about what are the challenges that you find when you engage with a typical client um, that you're taking through this process. What are the challenges that clients have in dealing with it? And what are the benefits that they get that actually help their own future fitness as an organization? Well, I think the, um, I mean, <laughs> given what we've just said about, you know, how the, how the economy works at the moment and how existing business models work, a lot of companies find this transition really challenging. Um, I think one of the issues we see a lot is that businesses tend to think very much in silos, not systems. So you might get the marketing department to understand the rationale for change, but you'll get, you know, blockers in other areas like R&D or operations or commercial, um, because people are very much tuned into thinking about their, their piece of the, the machine. Um, and I think also, and this, this sounds like a generalization, there are some amazing innovative companies, but I think as a whole, businesses can struggle when it comes to real innovation, as in kind of real business model shift, because it's much easier to play it safe, particularly in a time of, of um, uncertainty, um, or, you know, simply it's too time and resource intensive to do it any other way, I don't know. But you do see the real innovate, innovators who are the ones who are thinking in much longer time horizons can see the existential issues coming down the track and are more willing to tear up the rule book in response. And, you know, they tend to be fairly marmitey and some love them, some hate them, but the likes of Elon Musk are doing this really effectively. Um, so I, I think, you know, there, there is a different way of looking at the problems that we all now acknowledge um, are facing us. And my view is that some of the companies plowing hundreds of thousands of pounds worth in, into carbon offsetting would actually potentially be, do better taking a punt on some of the more radical innovations that, that might achieve something much longer term. Yeah, well, this is very interesting. So we're in a, in a period of time of immense volatility and turbulence. And what you've just touched on there is that sometimes there's this tendency in that to actually kind of actually stick to the knitting, to go back to what's safe. Um, whereas what nature teaches us and what life actually teaches us is in those times of turmoil, the danger lies actually in facing it with an old level of consciousness, with, with the old way of doing things. And actually the turbulence is inviting us to change and fundamentally innovate so to radically innovate in amidst that turbulence is what requires real leadership and why i um, especially work with leaders now in terms of regenerative leadership because of course i i know you know you and i have been working together um, and the awareness of systemic challenges how would you say the work that you do around taking people through this journey of B Corp certification, but also more relates to the organization starting to become more aware of the systemic challenges they're facing and therefore more open to radically innovating. Well, I think B Corp is a, is a great entry point for this discussion. Um, firstly, because it gets, because it has a cachet in its own right, it gets businesses starting to think, uh, you know, about this journey who wouldn't have done so otherwise. But what I like most about it is, as opposed to some of the product or function-based certifications, is that it looks at the whole business. There isn't a stone it doesn't turn over when it comes to examining how a company measures and manages impact. So whilst it, it can lend itself to being quite function-led, it also helps the sort of the, the leadership of the organization focus on how all parts of the organization feed and respond to the impact of the whole. 
So this is, you know, very much um, built into how we give our advice. When, when we're building impact strategies with clients, we spend plenty of time exploring how it can be integrated and woven throughout both the business models, but the culture of the business, so that all pieces of the jigsaw are pulling in, in towards the same vision. Um, and I think this is, you know, I have to say, this, this is where we kind of can, can really help add that lens. We're not just there to help them tick boxes and increase a, a score in the certification. We're here to help them understand how everything fits together. Yeah. And as you well know, a lot of this is about walking our own talk and the, 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 the work I'm doing around regenerative leadership is try and bake that into the leaders themselves and into culture of the organization. And I know that that's the journey that you've been on because we've been um, journeying together on this. So could you now talk about how Greenheart itself is going on its own journey of becoming a regenerative business? How's that going for you and how are you finding it so far? It's it's an incredible journey, um, Giles, and um, it, it's it's the it really is the privilege of my life to be to be doing it and be doing it with amazing people. Um, and I mentioned earlier that Greenheart is is kind of leading me more than I'm leading it. But the reality is, I never set out to grow a business. I didn't really I didn't particularly want to grow a business. Um, and my my whole approach since you know, since it has started growing is to, is to let it do so rather than to hold it back, which just didn't feel right to me at the time because we have a role in helping address some of these issues. Um, and for me, it was some tough experiences in my own career that made me very determined to, to look at the business in a very different light. And in fact, for a long time, I was determined that I would never employ anyone and I would certainly never manage them. So for example, my first career was in law I didn't always believe in my work because it wasn't a perfect values fit, but it really frustrated me how linear and hierarchical it was as a profession. And I just hated the thought that my whole life was mapped out. The next 30, 40 years of my life was mapped out and my choices in life were I work for firm A or firm B. Um, I then went on to run a very troubled food business, which again was very old fashioned, but much more sort of management upstairs, production staff downstairs, never the twain should meet. And so I think when I realized that Greenheart was growing and I was going to let it grow, I knew I wanted it to be the absolute opposite of the experiences I'd had to date. And of course, the privilege of you know, having founded it and, and owning it is that I can be as creative as I want really uh, um, with its growth journey. So I think it was a, a no brainer for me and the best decisions are the ones we think about least, I think sometimes, um, no brainer for it to be a B Corp and to start looking seriously at regenerative leadership. Yes. Um, now, this you've talked about growth there, which is interesting because, of course, in nature, um, obviously there's growth and in regeneration, there's growth. And yet there's also death and rebirth continuously sort of cycling in there. So it's, you also talked a little bit about sort of discerning, noticing, sensing when it, it, it is right. So it's not about sort of just unfettered growth for the sake of growth's sake, but actually knowing when things are right. And also the growth itself has developmental learning built in. So growing, meaning actually enriching rather than just maximizing it's enriching so can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges around allowing people to become you know we talk about the shift to, from parent child into more adult adult from hierarchic into self-managing um from you know into a more agile and developmental culture what are the challenges you found for people who are going on that journey of essentially growth but growth in terms of psychological development 
Yeah, I mean, it's been very interesting for me. And one of the questions I get asked a lot, particularly by the team is, you know, wow, how does it feel to have released a lot of control um, of the business? And, and frankly, for me, that's the, that's the main reason I did it, because as a reluctant business leader, I wanted to share the load. Um, and, you know, it was, doesn't feel like that long ago that I was finding life really tough and wanting to find, you know, an individual or, or, or more to help me sort of pull the sled. But now we have started to embed this culture within the business, it already feels much more of a shared endeavor. And so that yearning is gone. Um, and people are, are sort of, uh, you know, are, are really aligned to all that. But you're right, it's not straightforward. And I think it's, it's kind of inherent in most people through the way we're educated, the way we're brought up, the, our early work experiences, that a linear handbook type approach is easier to cope with. Um, and, you know, our sort of slightly looser but still structured approach is, is, is a bit uncomfortable, particularly for those at the more sort of junior end of their career, um, when they are just kind of looking for looking for the instructions, if you like. So I, I totally get that, you know, we are to an extent making it up as we go along and we're creating our own rule book. Um, and there's a lot of work involved. Um, but every time something clicks into place, there's this incredible unlocking of sort of energy around the system um, that just helps us step up a gear in making our, um, our work easier. So this is very interesting because, again, it's about letting go of control. And as you say, it's not sort of I know you say making up as it go along, but, but what we don't want to come across is it's sort of being frivolous. It's actually allowing things to emerge which requires us to step out of the way actually requires a lot of courage in you as a leader and some of the more um, other key people in the organization to allow things to go through our own threshold of not knowing and then things emerge and click into place now they wouldn't have clicked into place in the same way if we had had a really super structured rule book and following a waterfall approach so there is something in that actually experiencing that and then going ah things have evolved as a result of that and then we start to develop a trust in life a trust in that process of emergence and and you've noticed people actually growing significantly as a result because it challenges them you know sometimes we actually like being in parent child we actually like being just told what to do to sort of showing up and you know doing the sort of straightforward tasks and then going home whereas actually this is asking and demanding quite a lot of us and yet in the process, people start to grow and develop and therefore actually become richer for the experience at work. Now, can you speak to that a little bit about how have you found either in yourself or others that you found yourself actually becoming a bit more whole or a bit richer, knowing more about yourself, knowing more about how you show up as a result of this journey? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few things to, to say on that. I think the first is the, the, the way a culture like this evolves lends itself to being um, much more open much more um, collaborative in in the sense of you know genuinely sharing everything we're doing and and so I think we're much more aware of we're all more aware because we talk more and think more about how we're doing how we're showing up um, and have a real sort of conscious focus on on showing up to our work as ourselves so authenticity is a is a big leading um, uh, kind of value, I guess. Um, and it, the, the, this transition has set up plenty of tensions. You know, we've just described um, earlier how some people, particularly the more 
uh, rigid left brain thinkers, you know, find, you know, just show us the rule book, Tom, show us how, how, how do we do the next bit? And those tensions are kind of healthy because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a blocker. It's not the answer. It's not go back to the start. It's right. You know, how do we work through that? How do we, how do we incorporate the need to, for, for these things to work to that type of operator um, and, and gain from, from, from that sentiment? Um, so I, I think we've all, um, we've all grown hugely um, and it's, it, it's, it's probably different when you look at it from the outside to, to, to most businesses, but hugely rewarding. And of course, we need we need some of this experience, don't we, behind us to be comfortable with letting go. And so we've got to recognize where people are at in their own journeys. If you're, you know, still sort of um, finding your way, that actually sometimes it's difficult to let go and trust. Um, we I notice this with another company I'm working with that actually sometimes some of the younger people struggle with it. But then other times some of the younger people are just up for it more naturally because they haven't been conditioned by the past. So it's it's allowing people to go through their own journey of of meeting it, getting confused with it, actually getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, as I say, and then actually going through that. Otherwise, if you don't go through that threshold and um, then everything's just served at you all the time and you're naturally going to move back to the hierarchy. So you've gone through quite a lot of those shifts over the months um, that we, you and I have known each other. Um, one of the things you, you, we've been toying with is uh, titles and so forth. And there's obviously a lot in this and people get quite passionate about titles and profiles. And I, I get the point that we need to have certain titles so other people in other businesses can, you know, you know, so we go on our own career path. And if we leave one business, we need to go into the next and understand our role. Um, and of course, chief executive officer is quite a sort of weighty, you know, um, title, very sort of masculine orientated. And we've been playing with um, you um, calling yourself chief ecosystem officer. You've wanted to do now for some time. Can you just share a bit about what does chief ecosystem officer? What how does that what is it? What is looking after the ecosystem or sensing the ecosystem mean for you, Tom? Well, I'm definitely not hung up on titles and would be very happy to do away with them altogether. But um, but yes, you're right. There is uh, a need both internally and externally to be able to add some sort of label. So it, it, it's in 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 my case, this is very much a, a sort of tongue in cheek reference to the mainstream um, CEO version and I have Galahad Clark uh, to thank for this as my inspiration in fact for the entire regenerative leadership journey because because Vivo Barefoot have been doing it so well um, for, for ages but actually it describes what I do pretty well I think um, we, we've referred to Greenheart as an ecosystem since long before I started reading about regenerative leadership because, as I said, I was always determined for it not to not to become a, a traditional type business. Um, and therefore, you know, once you, your mind is in that place, my role is, is therefore much more about nurturing, supporting, advising and holding space for everyone in the ecosystem to adapt and evolve, but while staying fundamentally aligned to its purpose. So I think that's the sort of critical role that I have. I intuitively understand my role extremely well. If you asked me to write it down, I would probably struggle. Um, but it's, it's a, as I say, a very privileged position, I think, to be holding. Yeah. We've talked a bit about this on our on our journey about how, as a frequency holder, it is a key um, taproot in the living system of Greenheart. As the founder, uh, um, as the chief ecosystem officer, you know, you you are this person who's who's scanning inwardly and outwardly, um, which 
obviously involves things like systems thinking and understanding um, how the system is working um, across its stakeholder community and across its teams, but also it requires an intuitive knowing and being able to tap into your own knowing. And, and you know, we've been talking about this on our journey, you know, allowing yourself through various practices to keep yourself clear, keep yourself grounded, keep yourself connected, what I call activating your super nature. So you can sense, um, you can sense the system, you can notice, you can get this feel when things are right or not right. Can you speak to that a little bit and how you've been tuning into that awareness? Yeah, well, I, I think there are, there are two things, and and I, you know, I've got a lot to thank you for, Giles, because the, you know, it's been amazing to benefit from your wisdom, and particularly to help me develop this important discipline of sensing between, you know, myself and the system, um, which is, you know, effectively what's at the heart of it. But I think, as you know, maybe it's as I've matured as a as a human being, it's I've I've learnt very much to trust my intuition. Um, with all of this and not let it be overridden by what the rule book tells me so I think if one it, it once it once it clicks and you sort of get what it means to, to just kind of to, to, to feel and understand and sense what's going on around the business with all its very various component parts it actually feels much easier because it just comes totally naturally it was like when I when I took up uh, barefoot running, I, I thought I, I'd always assumed that running was was a, a bit of a chore because it's kind of really mechanical and it's like slog, slog, slog. But actually barefoot running just felt really natural. It's the same here. You know, I've had really difficult business experiences in the past that have felt like wading through treacle. This just feels really natural. It's flowing because I'm trusting my instincts, you know, help with the guidance of people like you. And it all feels good. Yeah. So let's turn now a little to your own. Are there any uh, particular practices or your own journey um, of, you know, journeying towards regenerative leadership and wholeness? You know, is there anything that, 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 that stri- strikes you that perhaps might wish to share with others in terms of any practices or tips or anything like that? Well, I think, I think in terms of practices and, and, and tips, you know, the, looking after the, the whole self is, you know, something that people talk about so much now but I have really seen particularly over the last year how um, how important crucial vital it is for me to have a good mental and physical balance to have a good you know a good amount of grounding I'm very lucky that I live in a beautiful county surrounded by green fields and mature oak trees that I can go and sit under if I need reconnecting to you know to the kind of essential energy of the earth um, and I, I appreciate not everyone has that, but I think, you know, making sure I have enough exercise, making sure I have enough time in nature, making sure I'm looking after myself, always easier said than done. Really, you know, when I don't get it, I really notice. Um, but I think, you know, also reflecting on the, the more difficult times during one's career or life has, you know, has, has been an incredible resource to, to draw on. And I'm, it makes me really grateful. You know, I described a couple of difficult times, whether, you know, some, some tricky jobs, some traumatic personal experiences, a challenging relationship with my own mental health. These have all been really sacred journeys without which I simply couldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So that kind of allowing myself to, to revisit those things and, and appreciate them, I think, has been incredible. Um, and of course, having a good coach has been transformative. I've now worked with three fantastic coaches, all of whom have changed my life in a different but very material way. 
um, there is stuff that you just can't do on your own. Um, mm. And in terms of finding blind spots, finding out what, what's really within. Mm. Mm. It's been a real pleasure to work with you. You're a humble, uh, gentle and wise man. And it's really been special um, journeying with you, Tom. So thank you. Thank you for this conversation. What also came to mind when we were just talking there is how this sort of, you know, you've got young children, you've got a young family. Um, you, you, you've also got animals as well. So, you know, there's a lot going on in your life whilst you're growing the business. And one of the things we talked about, and there's, there's many other leaders I, I coach, um, a lady who was here just this morning, director of a large company, again, young children, how actually somehow allowing those other parts of our lives not to feel like we're having to juggle um, and therefore this sort of tension and trade-off but actually allowing them to integrate so actually when we are with the children to be fully present with the children so that is a nurturing it's part of the something that nurtures us rather than sort of slightly distracted fiddling with the mobile phone thinking about things and therefore they get a bit distracting you're actually fully with them um and um anyway as i say it's been a real pleasure working with you and thank you um any final words tom before we wrap up um giles i think you know the 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 main thing for me is is what an incredible privilege um it is to be on this journey i have no idea where it's going um five years ago that would have worried me hugely now i just i find that very exciting i trust that it will unfold in the way it's meant to unfold. I know we're on the right track. I know we're doing good stuff um, and I'm enjoying it. And I and what more can you ask? Yeah, trust and enjoyment. I love it. Tom, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Giles. For more on Leading by Nature, you can follow me, Giles Hutchins, on LinkedIn and visit gileshutchins.com for free downloads of tools and practices for regenerative leadership and future fit business. Also, watch out for my latest book, Leading by Nature the process of becoming a regenerative leader.